Thank you so much for uh, leading us in sung worship uh, today. It's great to worship, isn't it? How brave of you to take on Luther's A Mighty Fortress and, uh, and do it in New York. I loved it. I loved it. I really did. And um, I, was, I was in Luton yesterday, of all places, and uh, I was at a Mission Direct meeting because some of you know that uh, Josh, my son, and I are going to Brazil next month. So it was a, an orientation day. And we had some worship there. Well, it, it just, it was disaster. And uh, I know this has been recorded, but it, it's true. They admitted it was a disaster. I mean, the songs that they were singing, no one knew for a start. And then the words just did not come on. I know we had a little blip there, but they just did not come on whatsoever. So we're all looking at each other. And for those of us who were going on this Mission Direct trip to Brazil for the first time, we were saying to each other, I hope the trip's better organized than this worship, because uh, it really was not good. But thank you so much. That was great. Absolutely amazing. I want to just share quickly uh, just a few things before I speak to you this morning. I mentioned the Mission Direct trip. Uh, please pray for Josh and I on the 29th of September. We're going to be attempting the Three Peaks, uh, which uh, he may be ready for, but I'm not. And uh, please pray I survive. Also, I won't get to Brazil if I die on the Three Peaks somewhere. Um, uh, you can also sponsor us for that. Have a chat with me or Josh. Uh, he's not here at the moment. He's on honeymoon. Um, if you want to uh, sponsor us to do that and help us to get to Brazil. Uh, I was really excited about going after being at the orientation day yesterday. There is poverty and problems all over the world, isn't there? Here in Bradford, we've been hearing about this through Helen and through the work of Hope House. There are broken people everywhere. So, um, you know, some of you might be thinking, why are you going to Brazil to help people when they're right here on our streets? And that, you know, is a question. But I think there are broken people all over the world who need love and support and help and um, we need to support the, the lost ones in Bradford, the broken ones in Bradford, and any that we find wherever we find ourselves. So that's Jesus' heart for people, isn't it? To, to, for us to reach and get alongside and love broken people. So um, chat with Helen afterwards about her work particularly. But if you want to know more about uh, Brazil, I'll let you know about that. A couple of other things just to mention. Last year, you'll remember here we had a, a conference called Truth Without Compromise with Andrew Williams. Well, we're having um, the second of those uh, conferences next month, but it's going to be at Church on the Way um, rather than here, and that's on the 13th of October. And again, um, the main speaker will be Andrea Williams. It's great to have her back. She caused quite an impact last year, and uh, she's going to be speaking on the topic of what are we teaching our children? What are we teaching our children? So if you want to know more about that, have a word with me. I'm going to put a poster up anyway, but that's at Church on the Way on the 13th of October, and that's 10 till 4. A final thing, just to mention, if you're interested, you may not be, but next Saturday at Westcliff Chapel in Shipley, um, they've invited me along for a day to speak about uh, cults and new religious movements. So I'm going to be taking the day there. I've got a poster here I'll put out there. Again, looking at marks of a cult, um, how we communicate the gospel to Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, and uh, you know, how to reach those lost in, in uh, these errant groups. So that's something that's happening next Saturday, if you've got nothing else to do. So there you go. Now then, after all that, um, I'm going to be speaking on a, on a difficult topic this morning. And Pastor Phil uh, wants us to start a new series called Battles Christian Face. Battles Christian Face. And hopefully I'll have a, a PowerPoint come on the screen. And uh, there you go. And uh, Rebecca's going to be my button presser. Praise the Lord for that. But I want to read to you just a, a few verses of Scripture. 
And it's Ephesians 4, 29 to 32. Ephesians 4, 29 to 32. I'm going to be reading from the NIV this morning. It's Ephesians 4, 29 to 32. And it says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgive you let me just pray father i just pray as we just look at uh, this uh, difficult topic this morning of forgiveness and as we look at what your word says i pray lord you'll give us ears to hear that you'll help us lord where we need to be challenged in this area pray lord your challenges and move us to be a forgiving people for we ask it in jesus name amen i mean okay so the topic is forgiveness next slide rebecca please I was um, reading something um, just recently, and it was entitled, Five Things That It's Hard To Do In Life. Five Things That Are Hard To Do In Life. Number five was raising kids. Anybody here got any kids? Anybody found that hard? Yes. Anybody not got any kids? Yeah, you're blessed. Okay. Oh, no, the Bible says, yeah, we're blessed. Sorry for having kids. That's right. Yeah. Raising kids, number five, incredibly hard thing to do. Number four was taking rejection. Does anybody here find it really easy to uh, be rejected or feel rejection? See, it's hard, isn't it? That should be on the list. Number three, I've always found incredibly hard. Number three is growing up. Um, it's hard to grow up, isn't it? You know, if you just watch little kids play, you know, they have no concerns, no worries. They're just you know, messing about, having a laugh running around, do you know, and, and it's just, as you start to get a little bit older, when you get to six, you start to worry about, no, not really, when you get a little bit older, you start to worry about everything, the world comes in, you realize all these issues and problems, growing up's difficult. Um, number two was accepting death. You can imagine that's greatly difficult for us to come to a place, unless we know the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, of course, and we know where we're going, for people to accept that one day they won't be here. That's hard. But number one, I wonder what you think number one was. Number one on this list was school. Now, if you're, if you're working education here today, you'll probably go, amen to that, brother. You know, that's absolutely right. School is the hardest thing, whether you're a child or a teacher or something. Number one was voice school, strangely. But I want to add two of the things to the list which are incredibly hard for us to do in our lives. Two things that are incredibly hard for us to say and there are these things number one I'm sorry number one I'm sorry and number two I forgive you two incredibly hard things to say why is it so hard for us to say sorry now this week a couple in our congregation this morning celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary want to put your hands up if that's you yeah, Maureen and David. 
golden wedding anniversary. Now, David, can you say sorry to me for mentioning that? No? <laughs> yeah. Yes, you can. Now, yeah. now, David, here's a question. How many times in that 50 years have you had to say sorry to Maureen? Maureen? Yeah. Maureen, how many times have you had to say sorry to David? Quite a few times. Interesting. Now, Kath and I, we've only been married 25 years. So, you know, we've a long way to go. Um, and Kath, in that 25 years, has had to say sorry to me loads of times, but I've never had to say sorry to her. <laughs> Strangely. Because obviously, you know, I never do anything wrong, clearly. You only say sorry if you've done something wrong, uh, which, of course, I never do. Um, but seriously, in the words of Elton John, why is it that sorry seems to be the hardest word? I, I want to offer you a few suggestions, and here's the first one. The first one is Pride. Pride. We don't want to admit that we're wrong. It's pride. Now that began right back in the Garden of Eden. It's really interesting. You can find this right back in the garden there. We have the story, don't we, where Adam ate the forbidden fruit. He tried to hide from God. God asks him, why are you hiding? He says, because I'm naked. Uh, God says, who told you you were naked? Uh, you know, you must have eaten from the tree. And here's the chance for Adam, the very first man, to admit that he'd done wrong. Here's a chance for Adam to say, Lord, I'm sorry. But what does he do? Rather than confess, rather than admit his guilt, pride kicks in right there, right at the beginning of the fall of man. Pride kicks in and he says, she made me do it. Rather than saying sorry, he blamed someone else. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. In other words, it's her fault so why should I have to say sorry? Now, now let's note this, that one of the first things coming into play after the fall was pride. And it continues to plague each one of us today because we're all fallen. We're all born sinful. We have a propensity towards sin and being prideful. And so we struggle to say sorry. I wonder how many times have you and I needed to say sorry to someone and pride would not allow us to do so. We find ourselves justifying ourselves. We, we say things like, well, it wasn't my fault. It was their fault. I'm not to blame, so why should I say sorry? Just perhaps as I'm saying these things this morning, perhaps there's a little bit of conflict arising in your own mind. You know you need to say sorry to someone. And maybe here this morning, even in your own head, you're justifying not doing so. That's pride. That's pride. Proverbs 11 verse 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. When pride doesn't say sorry, then it says it's a disgrace. When humility says sorry, then this is wisdom. It's wise to say sorry when we know we should say sorry. I know we say I don't need to say sorry because I've not done anything wrong. But let's consider three important points. Um, first of all, let me just quote a familiar verse of scripture to you. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all, all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. Now, pride may try and convince us that we've done nothing wrong. And if you're saying to yourself this morning, well, I've done nothing wrong, then you've just lied. So welcome to the club. You've done something wrong. We're all sinners. All have sinned. All do wrong. We're all wrongdoers in need of forgiveness. And I think if we admit this, accept this, know this, then we have a foundation on which we can build. A foundation that will allow us to say sorry and a foundation upon which we can forgive others. I said there are two sayings that are hard for us to say. I am sorry. And now let us consider the second. I forgive you. And let's consider these three points I just mentioned. Here's the first one, Rebecca, please. What stops me from forgiving? What stops me from forgiving? You may have heard of a man called Simon Wiesenthal. He was a Jew uh, during um, the Second World War. And uh, he was a, 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 in a prisoner of war camp there, a death camp. And um, he became known afterwards as the na- Nazi hunter. He was determined to bring these Nazis to justice. He tells a, a story in his book called The Sunflower. And I just want to read a little bit um, about that to you. It says here, Simon Wiesenthal was a young Jewish man working in a Polish architectural office when Hitler's Nazis invaded his homeland. From 1941 until the end of the war in 1945, he was imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp. He survived, but 89 of his relatives did not. After the war, he wrote a book called The Sunflower, The Possibilities and Limits of Forgiveness. In that book, he relates an odd but haunting experience. At one stage, Wiesenthal and some fellow prisoners were given the job of removing garbage from a hospital for wounded German soldiers. As they did so, they would pass by a cemetery housing German soldiers who had died. The graves were covered in sunflowers, something Wiesenthal envied, knowing that he would probably be buried in a mass grave under a pile of other Jewish corpses. One day, a nurse approached him as he was on the garbage, um, uh, dealing with the garbage at the hospital. She asked him to follow her and led him into a hospital room containing a wounded German soldier. He came across a man whose face was covered in bandages, with openings cut for mouth, nose and ears. He was dying. The man started to speak. He said, my name is Karl. I joined the SS as a volunteer. I must tell you something dreadful, something inhumane. It happened a year ago. Yes, it is a year since the crime I committed. I have to talk to someone about it. Perhaps that will help. He grabbed Wiesenthal by the hand, holding him tightly so he could not get away. I must tell you of this horrible deed. Tell you because you are a Jew. Carl told of atrocities too savage to repeat, of hatred and rage directed against Jews. Then he turned to Simon Wiesenthal and said, In the last hours of my life, you are with me. I don't know who you are, but I know you are a Jew, and that is enough. I know what I have told you is terrible. In the long nights while I've been waiting for death, time and again I've longed to talk to a Jew and beg forgiveness from him. I know what I'm asking is almost too much for you, but without your answer, 
I cannot die in peace. I beg your forgiveness. Simon Wiesenthal, an architect in his early 20s, now a prisoner, stared out of the window at the sunlit courtyard. He watched a blue bottle fly buzzing the man's body. At last, I made up my mind, Wiesenthal said, and without a word, I left the room. I wonder what we would have done in that situation. I wonder what reasons Simon had for not forgiving the man. Well, I think, obviously, the first thing would be this. He doesn't deserve my forgiveness. He doesn't deserve my forgiveness. I wonder how many times we found ourselves saying that self-same thing. I'm not going to forgive this person because they do not deserve my forgiveness. And often we will say those things for much lesser things than what we've just heard about with Simon Wiesenthal. It can be the minutest of things, can't it? Just something that's upset us, just wound us up, something that someone did wrong, and we find ourselves saying, they do not deserve my forgiveness, and so I'm not going to forgive them. But can we, or should we, forgive those who don't deserve it? Should we forgive those who spit at us, whip us, punch us, those who pierce our head with sharp pointed thorns, tear our clothes from our bodies and nail our fragile bleeding bodies to a tree, those who as we are are hanging there dying who continue to mock us and gamble for our clothes, should we forgive those people? Surely we think they don't deserve our forgiveness. No, they don't. But what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. On the cross, dying, bleeding, beaten, crown of thorns on his head, pierced side, great big nails through his wrists and through his feet. He's there and he's thinking about others. He's saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. What a challenge to us. What a challenge to us when we can't even forgive a minor flaw in another human being. And I know even as I'm saying these things, some of us will be thinking, well, I don't care what you say, I'm not going to forgive that person. Because we're very good at justifying our unforgiveness. We're very good at that. But friends, let that unforgiveness in your heart, sorry, in your head, drop to your heart so it might become forgiveness. The reality is, none of us deserve to be forgiven. None of us. All of us have sinned against a holy God. We don't deserve forgiveness. But those who've come to Christ in repentance and faith have nevertheless received forgiveness. And we know that. If we're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, we know that. We know we're a forgiven people. So how can we who've been forgiven much continue in unforgiveness? How can we do that? Listen afresh to this story that Jesus told. He says here, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. 
At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all your debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And Jesus said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Jesus said the most incredibly challenging things, didn't he? And we need to hear what he's saying here. He's saying we've been forgiven much. And if we don't in turn forgive those who sin against us, our sin will not be cancelled either. We need to forgive them from our heart. Friends, we are never justified in our unforgiveness. However much we try to justify it, however much we think we're right, we are never justified in our unforgiveness. How can we then treat others less than we're treated by Christ? Let me ask you a question this morning. Has your debt been cancelled by Jesus? Has your debt been cancelled by Christ? If it hasn't, you need to have that debt cancelled. Because I think unless you know your own debt has been cancelled, you will really struggle to forgive others their debt against you. Has your debt been cancelled by Christ? Have you come to him in repentance and faith? The Bible tells us if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God wants to forgive. He's a forgiving God. He's part of his character to forgive. And so he sends his son while we were yet sinners, Christ dies for us. He wants to forgive. And he wants us to be a forgiving people as well. But maybe we can only truly forgive others when we know ourselves to be truly forgiven. If we've had our debt forgiven, how can we then not forgive? If we've been personally forgiven, so we must personally forgive. Next slide, Rebecca, please. But what about this point here? What, what, what is forgiveness? What is it and what isn't it? Let us think about that for a moment. First of all, forgiveness isn't letting a person off. You know, that's part of our struggle, isn't it, when we try to forgive people? We don't want to let them off for what they've done. But it isn't letting them off. Forgiveness isn't letting a person off. It's not saying to someone who you forgive, it's okay, you did nothing wrong. It isn't a denial of something that may have happened to you. It's interesting with Simon Wiesenthal, his story here, as he became the Nazi hunter and and uh, tracked down and found many and brought them to justice. You know, he, his forgiveness of them didn't mean that he couldn't still go and find them and bring them to justice. 
they needed to be called to account. You know, someone has committed a crime. You know, you hear sometimes people in prison, don't you, who find Christ in prison. And you'll hear them testify and they'll say something like, well, I'm locked up in prison, I'm locked up behind bars, I maybe have to stay in my cell 23 hours every day, but I'm the freest I've ever been. Because they've been forgiven. But they're still paying the cost of the crime that they committed. You see, forgiveness isn't letting people off. There are consequences to our actions. Things will happen. But that shouldn't stop us forgiving them. A second thing is, forgiveness isn't weak. What does that say about Jesus if it was? Jesus who forgave those who persecuted him, who hung him on that cross. Was Jesus weak? I don't think so. I uh, met a guy this week. He's a, he's a, I would say he's a friend of mine. I've met him a few times now at a meeting I was at in London. And he's a traffic warden, so he needs a lot of prayer. Bless him. And... Um, I was saying to him, Andrew, how's it, how's it going as a traffic warden? What kind of week have you had? He said, oh, I've had a usual week. Uh, he said, this week I've had someone spit at me. I've had someone uh, uh, call me a few names. And I've had someone hit me on the back of the head. I said, that's a normal week. And he said, yeah, pretty much as a traffic warden. And I said, what do you want to do when you see someone spit at you? What do you want to do? Thinking he's going to say, you know, I just want to. And he said, you know what I want to do? I do what I should do. I forgive them. And everything within me was like, okay, yeah, all right. I said, so what, why? And he said, well, I'm a Christian. You should know that, Tony. He said, but secondly, he says, I don't know what that person's going through. That's an interesting thing to hear. I, I don't know what's going on in that person's life that's made them react to me like they reacted to me. And so I want to be a good witness of Christ, and I'm going to forgive them. He was telling me that um, just recently, um, the local council who's in, um, you know, he works for the local council, his department, the traffic warden thing, but the whole council are having a harvest celebration and they've asked him um, to, to lead that service. Because someone in the council came up to him and said, oh, I've heard you're a Christian. And I wonder whether it is because of the way he reacted to people, the way he acts, his forgiveness. It isn't weak to forgive. It's actually very strong, but we'll get on to that in a moment. Forgiveness also isn't only for the repentant. That's an interesting thing as well, isn't it? Forgiveness isn't only for those who come and repent and say sorry to you. Again, our example is Jesus. Those who nailed him to the cross weren't repentant. R.T. Kendall said this, If we wait for those who have hurt us to repent first, we will almost certainly wait for a long, long time. We also give ourselves a justification to stay bitter for the rest of our lives. So that interesting? If we wait for the other one to come and say, you know, to beg us for forgiveness, we would be waiting a long, long time. We do what we have to do and we forgive. So forgiveness isn't only for the repentant. But let us consider a few things that forgiveness is. Forgiveness is liberating. Forgiveness is liberating. Forgiveness releases us from the baggage of unforgiveness. It may be that some of us here today have been carrying around this large bag of bitterness and unforgiveness for, for ever such a long time. It may be that it's just worn you down and you justify carrying that bag around with you each and every day because you think this person, they don't deserve my forgiveness. And so we carry this stuff around us. I don't know if you are 
ever saw a film, I'm trying to think what it's called. I think it was called, um, I think it was called The Missionary. And um, it was Robert De Niro that was in it. And uh, there's this scene where he was a slave trader. And in this scene, he's, he, he comes to Christ. But he feels absolutely so guilty about being a slave trader for all those years. And so what he does, he takes all his weapons and his armor that he used when he was a slave trader. And he put them in a big bag. And he carried them around everywhere with him. And these missionaries, they were saying to him, look, just let it go. And he couldn't let it go. He said, no, I, I've got to carry all this stuff around with me. And they took him into the mountains where he met this tribe of people who he dealt with as slaves and he sold them off into slavery. And they saw him and at first they feared him because they knew who he was. And one of them ran down to him with a knife and they put the knife at his throat. And Robert De Niro thinks, this is it, I'm going to be dead. But what they're talking, his language he doesn't understand. And he's crying. And what this guy does, he takes his knife and takes it off his throat. And he just cuts the rope and pushes his bag of stuff down the hillside. And he's free. Friends, some of us need to do that. All this bitterness and guilt we've been carrying around, all this unforgiveness, we need to have it cut away from us. It's liberating. Forgiveness sets us free. Forgiveness is powerful. The story is told of a young Christian working man who lost a value tool from his toolkit and recognized it later in the kit of a fellow workman. Being the only Christian at work, and in the room, he felt it incumbent upon him to show forgiveness. So he went to the thief and said, I see you have one of my tools, but you can keep it if you need it. Then he went on with his work and put the incident out of his mind. During the next two weeks, the thief three times tried to give the value of the tool to the rightful owner. Once by offering to give him something else of equal value. Again by offering his services between hours. And again by slipping money into his coat pocket. The incident closed with a lasting friendship between the two men. Because, said the thief, I couldn't stand to be forgiven. Is that interesting? There's a reason why God wants us to be a forgiving people. People can't stand to be forgiven. Forgiven takes the power from them. And it releases us and frees us up. There's power in forgiveness. And a final thing. Forgiveness is to be obedient to Christ. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. After the Lord's Prayer, he said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Friends, forgiveness is not optional. However justified we may feel, we must, if we claim to follow Christ, be a forgiving people. And my final point is this. Final one, Rebecca, please. Why must I forgive? Why must I forgive? And the simple answer is this. Because I've been forgiven. Because I've been forgiven. Psalm 133 and 4 says, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Lord, if you kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. With reverence, serve you. To forgive is to give reverence to God and frees us to serve him. To serve him.
There was a pastor who carried the burden of a secret sin he'd committed many, many years before. He'd repented, but he still had no sense of God's forgiveness. In his church, a woman who claimed to receive words of knowledge, uh, there was a woman who claimed to receive words of knowledge. The pastor, however, was quite skeptical about this. So he decided to test her. He said, I want you to ask God what sin your pastor committed while he was in Bible college. The woman agreed that she would. A few days later, the pastor asked, well, did he get an answer to my question? Did he answer the question? She said, yes, he did. So, did he tell you what sin I committed in Bible college? Yes. Well, what did he say? He said, I can't remember. (laughs) Friends, we have a God who forgives and forgets sin. It's much harder for us to forget sin and when we've been sinned against, but we can forgive with the help of God. We can forgive with the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can be free from the baggage of bitterness and unforgiveness. The great weight we've been carrying around us for so long can be got rid of. And the question is, do we want to be free? Then today, we need to let go. We need to let go. Maybe there's some of us here this morning who need to say sorry to someone. Maybe there's someone here this morning who needs to say sorry to a loved one. Maybe some of us need to say sorry to our husbands or our wives. Maybe some of us need to forgive today. Some of us need to forgive our fathers, our mothers. We need to forgive our children. Our children need to forgive us. Some of us need to forgive a friend. And I realize it's incredibly difficult, but with God's help, we need to do that. Let us remind ourselves what scripture teaches us. Rebecca, please. That's not the one. It's on the slide. It's okay, Rebecca. I forgive you. That's okay. Just don't do it again, okay? It says here in Ephesians 4.22, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Are you carrying around unforgiveness, bitterness? Do you need to say sorry to someone? Do it today. Do it today. Find out how liberating it is, how freeing it is. And I want to give you a chance to respond to the message this morning. I want you to put the next slide on, um, Rebecca, please. And maybe we just need to say a simple prayer because we need God's help to be a forgiving people. This prayer just says, Father God, your word tells me to forgive others as you have forgiven me. Today I choose to forgive. And we're going to be quiet for a moment. And I want you either in the quietness of your heart just to say that if you, if you can. Ask God to help you forgive Help you to say sorry to someone. It might be as the music plays in our final song, you want to come to the front for prayer. We will pray with you. It might be you know who you need to say sorry to and they're sat in this room right now. And you need to go and say sorry to them and forgive them and move on. Let's just be quiet for a moment. I'll pray and then we'll invite the band back up.
Father, I know that there are many of us here today who need to say sorry to someone, who need to forgive someone. I know that, Lord, because I struggle with those things. It's common to each one of us. And however much we feel justified, Lord, to hold on to that bitterness, to that unforgiveness, Lord, we're wrong. Because you say we've got to forgive, and you're right. And we want to follow you, and we want to be set free to be the people of God you've called us to be. So I pray you would help each one of us to have the grace, the humility, to admit when we've been wrong, and to say sorry, and to forgive people that have hurt us. Lord, bless my brothers and sisters here this morning. And Lord, if there's any here this morning who don't know your forgiveness, have not been freed from the debt that they owe you, from the sin that they have against you, a holy God, then I pray this morning will be a morning that they too will seek to be set free and that they'll come to Christ in faith and repentance and admit their need of a saviour. They'll humble themselves and they'll find themselves forgiven. Lord, we want to go out of this place different to how we came in. Set us free, Lord. Set us free, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. I invite the worship band back. If any of you would like prayer in this particular area or anything else, please just come and sit at the front. Some of the uh, prayer team will come and pray with you.